Hello, I'm, I'm here to record a podcast. It's going to be great. Right? Oh, come in. So, Graham's This is definitely not going to be me. Okay. Hiya. So I'm the chief executive, just started a week ago, uh, and Catching Lives has um, a board of trustees, it's an independent charity, so we have a board of trustees who are responsible for the charity, me as chief executive, we have two project leaders, and then uh, a team of project workers, mental health workers, and activities lead, volunteer coordinators, and all of our amazing volunteers. That's Tamsin Maitland talking, who is the person um, that's just taken on a new role at Catching Lives, that's where I am today, um, and... As she said, there's a whole team of people that I can't wait to meet. But first of all, I wanted to just hear a bit from Tamsin about her, the new role, and about what she can tell me that Catching Lives does in Canterbury. And we deliver a day centre service seven days a week. We extend our service for winter provision. We also do sustainment work out in the community so people have moved on to their new homes or to help people stay in their homes uh, and prevent homelessness. And we also do some outreach work to people on the streets. Uh, Sounds, yeah, so yeah. lots going on. I think that's the thing we're catching lives. There's a lot more to it than meets the eye. Um, I think, you know, people see it as a sort of uh, the, the physical front of your drop-in centre. But there's, you know, you offer a lot of services as well and... Um, you mentioned there as well preventing homelessness you know and that being just important what sort of work do you do around that so we're open to you know our drop-in is open to everyone so nine till two every day and so we work with people who are already homeless and on the streets sleeping rough but also those who might be housed but kind of on the margins so possibly on the brink of homelessness maybe experiencing some pressures around their finances or their mental health um or you know just struggling with perhaps uh, you know, managing all the different things in life, particularly at the moment, there's lots of people experiencing pressure with the cost of living crisis. And so for people whose housing is maybe not totally secure, that's an extra pressure. So they're welcome to come here and we can help people to look at their finances, look at their entitlements to benefits, to housing, get the advice that they need, help with mental and physical health issues. Uh, and, you know, so do that work to help people stay in their homes. Yeah. And also thinking about activity as well, you know, what are people doing with their days? So we provide activities every day and we want to help people to work out um, you know, how to spend their time, what, what's useful for them, what's right for them, whether that's yeah. work or training or creative activities. So we do a lot around sort of arts and music, for example. I think that also that's quite important because it just makes, makes all those things make you feel more human. Yeah. And just, you know, like... Uh, you know that you can maybe start to build your self-esteem and your self you know worth and that kind of thing because i mean i expect that mental health is probably a huge thing for an organization like you um absolutely yeah that i mean there's the pressure of being at risk of homelessness or of actually being homeless that is you know an issue in itself and people may also have other uh, mental health issues as well so it can be both sort of a cause and a consequence of homelessness at times yeah. so we have uh, two mental health workers who specialise in, in working with people around their mental health what, it, so is the occurrence rate of mental health issues in the homeless community is you know a huge I guess it's a, yeah, a really so, big issue I mean research from, from Homeless Link from Crisis usually shows you know typically over 80% of people in homelessness services r- report some form of mental health issue um, whether that's relating to the experience of being homeless or, you know, sometimes more severe and enduring mental health issues as well. So, you know, it's a big concern. It's something we, you know, we provide the basic facilities. We help people with food and showers and laundry and that kind of social contact. Then it's also about what else is going on for people and being as holistic as possible. And um, I've um, 
you know, uh, been talking to um, Mick um, about the fundraising work that yes. um, he does. He's one of your fundraisers. Um, yes, our only fundraiser. We have one, yeah, one, our one only, fundraiser. Only fundraiser. Yeah, yeah, so we, okay. we don't have a massive team out there. We've got Mick who's doing our fundraising. Well, he does a great yes. job. And we do, you know, we work in partnership with, with other organisations wherever we can. So with the mental health team, with Forward Trust around drugs and alcohol, we have drop ins from uh, the job centre, from the council. So we obviously try and avoid duplicating because it is about trying to make our resources go as far as possible. So where some of those professional skills are needed, we'll bring in other organisations to support us. But we do need to be able to raise money to, to fund our core work day after day. So we get donations. We're really lucky to have a huge amount of support from the community and from volunteers. Um, but everything, yeah. So, you know, we have donations of food. We also have to spend money on food because... You know, we we get, we get through a lot of food every day, yeah. um, and people will appreciate you know having hot food and drink because it means that people are then set up to yeah. have those conversations about what's going on for them and to think about what else is happening in their life. Uh, and our project worker team who are amazing and doing great work every day. So yeah, it, we do need to continue fundraising and you know really appreciate the support of the community and being able to do that and keep us going, keep us open every day. And so I mean the the. The grant situation, the, the the funding flow from from government and from um, you know all these traditional sources, it's um, it's the world is getting drier and drier, isn't it? You know, there's obviously a financial crisis going on, so you're 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 dealing with less, I assume, um, you know, government funding than you would perhaps be used to in the past. So yes, Catching Lives is independent. We we don't have government contracts, uh, so we rely heavily on the public, on trusts and foundations, uh, individual donors and groups uh, like country residence groups, yeah. and that that kind of the support that you can all give us to help us to keep going. Uh, so you know we uh, yeah we're independent, and so we rely on on a lot of generosity from people in the local area, and we're a very locally based charity. Very well, Marion. Yeah, yeah, you know, love love local charity um, and we're seeing that you know across the board it is donations are dropping I think it's it's harder for people people are under more pressure generally we you know we appreciate that I think also you know during the pandemic there was a bit more focus people were really conscious of things like homelessness and thinking about well, what's you know if we're struggling and we've got homes and jobs what's happening to people who are out there during the pandemic so it did really focus people's minds yeah and we have seen yeah a drop in donations in the past year so that's something that we're working really hard to you know connect with the community and and think about new grants and also you know it's all interrelated it couldn't come at a worse time because i i'm assuming you're expecting over the next couple of years there to be increased um, demand for all of your services across the board you know yeah so i think what you mentioned around the sort of cuts you know where government funding has been cut and seen cuts um to other services that has an impact on us because it means we'll be seeing more people, people perhaps with a higher level of need, people who are struggling to get appointments with those agencies elsewhere who should be able to help. So things like you know fewer face-to-face services from the council since the pandemic, that's something that's affecting lots of areas. So yeah. if people need to make a housing application and they're having to do that over the phone, that's a lot more challenging. Um, so that, you know, we we really feel it when the, the, the context changed of other yeah. services and public services, we can see that in the demand increasing here i think we've already experienced something like and graham will be able to talk in more detail about this but i think something like a 30 percent increase in footfall in the past year yeah and we're expecting that to continue to increase as people become more worried about what's happening next people lose their accommodation as a result of financial pressures yeah so yeah we're we're braced for a difficult time ahead this winter you mentioned graham there i'm going to um catch up with graham in a minute yeah um you're 
I mean, you're new to the role. This is your, the, your, what, your first week? This is my first full week, yes. I've been yeah. in post seven days. And so are you a Canterbury local? Are you new to the city because of the role? What's, what sort of, uh, where, where are you coming from? Yeah, so I'm based in Bromley. Uh, okay. So, yeah, this is my first role in Canterbury. So it's you know, really exciting for me coming into a new charity, a new role, and getting to meet everybody locally and understand the local context and see how, how much support there is and how much activity. Just It's really exciting, the number of events, yeah. the support that's there, the different fundraising efforts. Um, hearing about Canterbury Residence Group and the amazing yeah. work that you're so doing. So you, you have the chance to explore the city and get to know it, nooks and crannies. I think it probably takes a little longer than a week. Yes, yeah, a little bit, but I, I will be getting out to meet various people. Obviously the staff and the volunteers and the people that run the charity are so important to keeping it ticking over every day, but at the core of an organisation like catching lives are the service users the clients um and i was uh, really pleased to be able to chat with martin um who's got a fascinating fascinating story to tell i've lived in loads of different places over the years in when i was young i've done most of my growing up as a young kid you know teenager early 20s in whitstable but i didn't live there all the time um you know i've been to london a couple of times through your time in canterbury is it you know you're you you're, you're here yeah i mean you, i, I use the services and yeah um i've come back and I, I knew about this place before i even went to london nine years ago but i never um i wasn't homeless at the time then but when I, i've been homeless in canterbury before years ago and i don't know who ran it uh, there was a, a day center somewhere else it's been, there's been day centers in canterbury in various places yeah and years ago there used to be one above the boxing club prince wells youth center many years ago um, that is going back a bit. That yeah, yeah I don't. I, I don't know. Who, I can't remember who ran it. Well, uh, it's before my time. Yeah, yeah so yeah. I, I don't remember that one. And I used to go. I used to go to that one. Then it moved um, somewhere else. I think in the fields about uh, opposite Kingsmead Swimming Pool or something like that. I never went to that one. And then and then it, you know I knew it moved here. I never yeah. went to it. And I went to London, but I knew it. I knew it then, was here. Would you, you know, call it? Uh, an essential service, a vital, you know, do, yeah, do, yeah, do, what, yeah what, essential vital, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Do, so, if, what bits of it are most vital? Would you say, what, you know, all if, of it? Yeah, I mean, you can make use of all of it. Some people are not not necessarily going to make use of all of it. Yeah, but um, you know, I, I think I probably did. Yeah, you at know, one point or another, you've, yeah. yeah touch. When, when you're street homeless, I mean, a lot of times you're not going to be able to. I mean, some people might be get lucky; they've got friends that can go around and have a shower, sofa surf, whatever. You know, if, if you haven't got anywhere to go, you come here, you get something to eat, you can have a shower, you, I don't know, you get your hair cut. Because obviously so, sofa surfing is, you know, that's homelessness and it's a big, big mm. part of homelessness. Yeah, yeah. You don't, you know, you can, you can be, you know, warm at night and, you know, but yeah. there's still all the other issues in life that, you know, can be causing people problems in life. Are you finding it's covering less and less? You know, as, pri- as prices for even some of the basic stuff is going up, you know. Like- you notice it, don't you? Yeah, you notice it. Yeah, definitely notice it. Um, uh, yeah, you, all of a sudden, you, you don't always notice it, but sometimes you notice it more than others. So I guess when you're, you know, living from sofa to sofa or, yeah. you know, you've got, you know, not often a fridge. You can't, yeah, like, yeah. make the most of buy one, get one free deals. There's always kind of other little issues around that. Yeah, yeah. Make life just more expensive. It's, it's funny you say about a fridge. I don't know if you've been homeless yourself, but um, when you're in certain situations, you're living somewhere, having a fridge is amazing. It's one of the most important things. 
fridge and uh, not, not so much a freezer, but a freezer as well. Yeah. Um, because you can buy a load of like vegetables, you can freeze them, uh, or you can fridge them, freeze them. You know, and and you can buy a load of that cheaper when you haven't got when you're like when I, when I first came down here homeless, I, and I've done it I, when I first went to London homeless. You haven't got that, so you have to eat out all the time. You know, yeah. and it's not cheap. Yeah, it's expensive. If you want something hot, and you want yeah. something that's gonna fill you up, you know, it might not be good for you, but it's gonna you, you want a bit of respite, a bit of something that's yeah. gonna you know because you got to keep your spirits up, and food does that, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, I say it all the time. That's, it's not necessarily all the time because um, there are, I'd say, not all the time because there are places like this, but there are times when you do have to eat out. Yeah. You know, it's, it's even more, I mean, in London, there's, there's just so many soup run soup. If you don't know about them, yeah. you know what I mean? It's different, but if you do, it's, it's, it's obviously a bigger place. There's much more of a homeless thing. It's, 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 it's different than Canterbury. Um but, you know, the, it's, they're more it's dangerous. More dangerous, I assume, in London. I mean, not, it's not to say yeah. it's not dangerous living on the street anywhere. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, like, but you f- you feel more vulnerable to to crime. Yeah, you have got different things to think about in London. You know, it's a, it's a different book. Yeah, it's different. You got you you got yeah, it's it's less safe. Yeah. Yeah, you have got different things to think. It's, it's different. You, all, all the all the things bad. You know, the things you could think of that could happen. I mean, it wouldn't say necessarily be as bad as someone like Glasgow, maybe, you know, from what I gather. Yeah. But, uh, you know, yeah. Um, well, I mean, Canterbury... But it's not, it's not the safest I, either. I, I mean, I, as, as, you know, someone who isn't a rough sleeper, I feel pretty safe in Canterbury. Yeah. But it's a different world when you're, you know, you know, like... Yeah, and spending your time, I mean, it, 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 it sounds... Well, it, oh, I was going to say it sounds... Uh, most people is um, things you not normally think about. It's like, well, where am I going to sit? Where am I going to spend the next home in the house? Like, you come here, it shuts at a certain time, and then it's like, well, I'm not going to walk around all, yeah. all the time. And just having somewhere to sit, especially when it's cold. In the yeah. summer, you can sit on the, in the park. And sometimes the stars don't align, and all your mates are out at the same time, and you just end up sort of like, yeah, I guess, just sort of wandering from place to place, and that's when you can find yourself, I guess, out in the cold it, it's, it's, I think we, we got down to minus temperatures in Canterbury last night. I'm not sure. Did, yeah. Was it minus temperatures? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was definitely minus temperatures. I'm just on the outskirts of the city. It was definitely minus temperatures. So SWEP goes into um, action, you know, like this. So you do, do Catch and Love support SWEP in any way? Do you work with SWEP? Is it part of it? Um, yeah, we help clients access it so any rough sleepers during periods that SWEP's active will help them link up with what the council are providing so sitting with me and Martin was Graham Graham's uh, been at Catch and Eyes for as long as I've known certainly been involved with fundraising for the charity um, altogether awesome guy and he's the um, uh, one of the kind of like uh, lead kingpins around Catching Lives for sure and is it so? He's obviously, it's extreme. It's extremely cold weather. Extremely hot weather. How how cold does it have to get before that kicks in? Um, usually, the criteria is you know forecast to be zero or below for three consecutive nights. But you know the, the guidance says a common sense approach. So we will make the argument. Others will make the argument. You know, um, Martin agree or not? We often hear people say you know cold temperatures are, are one thing, but you know extreme wet. And rain can be as bad. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know you can get out with a cold sometimes, but once you're soaking wet, you can't dry off. So even with you know extreme wet periods could be classed as you no know, sweat. Yeah. Yeah. Because if you can't get 
your clothes dry yeah and you can't get your sleeping kit dry yeah then the whole night in that situation yeah and you're gonna get ill yeah yeah yeah, so any extreme weathers at all and when the periods of sweats cold will help clients to access that provision yeah and that threat of being you know becoming unwell due to you know the the conditions that's that's i guess ever present and like more more seriously you know more serious illnesses you know can can be caught in those sorts of situations you know i guess covid was a big fear yeah has that died down a little bit now like you know or are you still very kind of covid aware here or it's something i think like everyone it, it has to be you know in our minds not forefront in the sense it has been you know going back two years um but like you say you know those with compromised immune systems through ill health or, or poor diets if they're out in the cold and wet as well you know more likely to be susceptible to things like that so it's something that we you know we we certainly haven't forgotten about and isn't playing on our minds yeah I had a chance to then sit down with Graham and um, talk through what um, his experience is leading him to conclude of the uh, conditions at the moment, especially for fundraising, which is um, something that um, obviously we both feel quite passionately about. We're seeing a drop-off of individual donations, so you know, direct debits or just one-offs. So kind of individuals, yeah fewer understandably able to um to make that continued commitment yeah. i mean with some maybe that could be um you know just because they can't make that commitment and they may have had a certain amount they're giving and they can't afford to give that amount anymore yeah so, i mean one of the messages well i think the more the more, and more people are, are going to be needing services like food banks yeah. and shelters yeah um, and there'll be people out there who are having to cancel, you know, donations and yeah. tighten their belt because they're very close to ending up being yeah. clients and yeah. being service Indeed. users. Yeah. I mean, that's a kind of shocking part of what's, I think, the, 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 the cost of this current cost of living crisis yeah. is that, you know, more and more people are needing to use services like yours yeah. at a time when fundraising is getting harder yeah. but you're still here you're still offering the we're still here to... I say one of the aspects is maybe because of the pandemic and so on a lot of those you know smaller charities no longer exist you know one thing obviously we want to make sure is an obvious thing is we're still here we're still here seven days a week uh, 365 days a year you know we're open every single day during the pandemic obviously in a, a slightly different format but we you know we're, we're open to anyone who needs our support every single day um, so yeah, if anyone stopped donating because they're not sure we're here, we are. Um, yeah. And if anyone you know could used to give us ten pounds and now they can only afford you know five or, or even less, you know, as a small charity, you know, even a pound will go a long way. Yeah. If we spread the load of charity donations, yeah. it probably you know makes it easier um, and it makes it more likely that people are able to give you know something. Yeah. Um, it's um, it's unfortunate that you've um, not been able, probably I assume due to funding, to do the winter shelter this year. Um, I had to pull the pull the plug on something that, you know, and I think that you're probably not the only charity in, in a position to have to be making these really tough decisions at the moment. Yeah, um, I mean, the, the, the key message is that we'll do all we can for the clients who need our support. So we're looking at what we're doing as extended winter provision 
so you know yeah. as many hours available to, for people as a place out the cold to access support to access those vital services yeah you know what format so the, you know catching loads not going anywhere the format might change this year slightly because you know things are tougher than normal yeah but um the catching loads is still delivering the the service it delivers yeah, yeah. What part of this service are you involved in the delivery of, or, or are you a broad, broad church kind of guy, or what? What's your deal? Yeah, so I mean, it's because we're a small charity. Uh, it is very much, you know, everyone is involved in every aspect to a degree. And my main role is, uh, you know, overseeing the services we offer at the day centre. So working uh, with the, the, the client focus team who support the people who come in for our, for our help and supporting uh, and arranging the drop-ins from other agencies so we have you know the job centre and health services arranging health days for clients so just kind of coordinating everything that goes on at the day centre and kind of keeping it all together yeah you've been here a long time haven't you yeah I started as a kitchen volunteer in June 2013 so it'll be 10 years next June yeah yeah 10 years yeah yeah it's always weird isn't it when that one crops up on you so how did yes. you first you know are you Canterbury born and bred yeah uh, yeah born in Canterbury um you know it's, it's always been on my radar that Canterbury has a high you know proportion of rough sleepers for the, the size of the city it's always ranked one of the highest in that respect um for the number of rough sleepers yeah yeah, yeah. so it's just you know I've always been aware of of, of that kind of need and, and the support that Canterbury provides not just that but you know for the churches and the history and pilgrimage and so on you know family members who've worked in health and social care uh, studies as well so I did criminology at the University of Kent um, looked for places to volunteer when I finished my degree and, and you know it was catching eyes was the one that I was drawn to because it, it works directly with the clients it's, yeah. it's hands on it's supporting people it's making a difference you know the day that people walk in and it has you know correct me if I'm wrong but it has to be a bit of a vocation you know you have to love what you do you're not here for the money yeah (laughs) it's kind of one of those jobs that as much as we make sure it doesn't you know overwhelm us when we go home and it's sort of you think about constantly is kind of you know separating that work and and home it's it's something you know most you know volunteers and staff are passionate about the work they do and you know you know you don't just switch off from it and what's going on in the world locally and nationally internationally when you you know when you finish at five o'clock yeah, and it must be difficult. The, you know, you work with people, with, you know, your, your, your clients, they're in a very difficult time of their lives. They, you know, maybe have experienced trauma. Um, they might be suffering with um, mental health conditions that are making life even more unpleasant. Um, and you're sort of on the front line with that kind of cocktail of, of problems. There's often um, substance misuse, mm-hmm. um, alcohol, drugs, and... And you're on the front line of this as kind of social worker, forward slash police, forward slash medic, forward slash, you know, you know I give out that and this goes on. Yeah, in a sense, informal kind of, you know, social work aspects to what we do. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's tricky. It's tough. Like you say, a lot of people who have who've had traumatic pasts and are dealing with a lot of difficult situations they're in currently. Um but you know what I was saying about what catching eyes can do. We can, we can, you know, even if it's small things one day, it's we can make those positive changes. So it could be very easy to to focus with people on what's, you know, the horrible things that happened in the past and the lack of support that might be available through, through other avenues with things. But what we can do is make small differences. If we can make today slightly better than yesterday and then have a plan for tomorrow to, you know, take a couple more small steps forward, uh, you yeah. know, doing something proactive and practical and real, you know, we can make a difference. I expect the 
you've put, you've seen some pretty amazing. You've probably seen some pretty horrible things, but you've probably also seen some success stories and you know some really um, gratifying moments that make everything worth it. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, yeah. So clients who've gone on completely changed their lives around in, not in just in terms of the accommodation they moved into, but you know the family they've been able to reconnect with, the work they've been able to go in. We've had clients who've gone through our services who now work for organizations you know in the sector whether frontline with star uh, with clients or you know in organizations uh, that, that set policy that do training so you know clients who've, who've, who've experienced this firsthand who are now kind of involved in in future planning and and making a difference to other people and giving yeah. back so we've seen so many amazing success stories and Tasman was telling me that um, you know there's a lot of work goes into preventing homelessness as well you know you know not just trying to attack this problem from the, the the pipeline, you know, at the end of the pipeline, you're going to the start as well. And you know, what what sort of would you say is either the biggest or the fastest growing cause of homelessness that people are coming to you and telling you about? You know, are they are they finding themselves losing their jobs, or or, or is it energy bills, or is it um, yeah, you know, um, alcohol issues, or what? So I mean. Traditionally, it, it you know it's always been relationship breakdown that's been the main you know official cause of 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 why people end up on the streets, and we still see a huge amount of that. Yeah. Um, you know, not just for the for the usual reasons, but you know, we're still looking at the the, the effects of the pandemic and people who've been locked away effectively with others. So the increase in you know domestic abuse and people who weren't able to access support services during that period of time. Um, but you know, more and more is the end of tenancies. So it's it's landlords ending tenancies. Maybe no fault of the client who we see. You know, they haven't done anything wrong. But for some, it's it's not being able to pay the bills, the rent, the food. Not you know, loss of employment or you know, mental health, physical health issues that have meant they can't continue work. And all of those things, you know, contribute to in a in a, in a landlord's viewpoint, not the ideal tenant. You know that's, yeah. that's and and they they don't have any kind of um, obligation. I mean, they have a moral obligation, but there's no mm. legal obligation no, for leg- them to to yeah. not be able to just chuck out. Yeah, legally, as long as they want to. as long as the landlords follow the right procedure in terms of the notice given you know, in private rented accommodation. Um, we we're working as we speak alongside a, uh, a lot of people who contact us mainly by email and phone who said you know my landlord tells me in a month I'm going to have to leave. Yeah. What do I do? I don't know where to go. In a panic, uh, understandably. I mean, once you get kicked off that sort of ladder of renting, and you lose months of references and you have gaps in your tenancies, yeah. it makes it very hard to get back on the and the rental market's a bit of a mess anyway at the moment with prices. Yeah, you know, sky high. So there's a lot of work to be done at that level, isn't there? there Trying is. to actually yeah. get people into houses and and, and off the street. And um, where would you say it sort of starts? Where where does this, you know, if you if you were to have a billion quid extra in a budget to shove somewhere into the system to try and prevent homelessness, where would it be? Is it house building for you, or is I it think it needs to, it's it's multiple avenues. Um, you know, there's no one size fits all in terms of housing for people you know you could build a more affordable independent accommodation for people but there's a lot of people due to uh you know the trauma they've received in the past and and years and years of sleeping rough that you know can't just move straight into accommodation so it's not as simple as here's a set of keys better kind of um rehabilitation yeah so support for people's tenancy sustainment for people who need that extra level of support just to keep hold of their accommodation 
a big thing is isolation. So people may be absolutely fine paying the bills and, and setting up the accounts and that side of, of having a tenancy. But people who have been sleeping rough have been maybe accessing our centre or in the town with others. Suddenly they're in accommodation and 23, 24 hours a day they're not seeing anyone. Yeah. Biggest cause from we hear from our clients of why they lose accommodation if they, they found it is, is that lack of social engagement. Yeah. So we make sure we offer lots and lots of activities at the day centre and also try and visit people and support them in the community if we can. So yeah, it would be not just the accommodation that's available but the support around that yeah. so tenancy sustainment floating support supported accommodation for those who need it yeah. you know that, that kind of angle I mean yeah. there's, and there's an increasing move as well towards housing first or housing led models as well um, so you know a lot of people just the hoops they have to jump through to get to the stage they can find accommodation in terms of you know having the ID and, and uh, addressing health issues or maybe engaging with mental health support or I mean, yeah so I mean, you, for a lot a lot of what you're talking about there is sort of um you know like i said further down the pipeline bit a lot of them have got some you know issues they need to address in yeah. the meantime yeah something that often props up on canterbury residence group that um you know i i guess you, you you're familiar with is um people using because the, the the homeless community the, the the rough sleepers community in canterbury a lot of them use Canterbury Residence Group. It's you know it can be a lifeline for them to find out what's going on mm. in the city, to know where the, where you know there's a lot of people sharing information about crime in the city, mm. you know, and homeless people, um, huge target and vulnerable to be victims of crime themselves, mm. and and the group can be useful for that. Sometimes people um, say that they have not been able to use the Catching Live services because. You've got quite a strict policy here, don't you? Of, of um, you aren't able to access the services if you're under the influence of, of, of drugs or alcohol in, in a way that might, I assume, put your staff or you at danger. And I guess that's at the core, yeah, you know, of, the, of the reasoning behind yeah. that. It's not a zero tolerance policy. You know, we we understand that some of the clients we see uh, will have a drink as a coping mechanism. You know, those who are currently unavailable, you know, unable to access a GP. Uh, get the support that way, maybe self-medicating with alcohol or other drugs. So we obviously we work with them to hopefully engage with the so right support. So it's not just like a cold shoulder, like no. You, no. You, so you it's take about, a, sort of a bit of a, a, a common sense approach. Yeah, it's about the level. So we, you know, everyone who turns up to the door, we're obviously making sure they're going to be safe to come in in terms of how much they've had to drink. So if they've had a can or two and they look absolutely fine, that's not a problem. They're too drunk that they're going to be unsafe. They're going to have an accident or you know potentially unknown quantity. We'll explain to them that this particular day, we deem you know you've had a bit too much to drink. If you come back tomorrow, we'll have a conversation with you. You know if you're a bit more sober. Our outreach work, though, we can still engage with people away from the centre. But yeah, the, safe, the centre has to remain a safe uh, place for people to come and actually be in a in, a, in the frame of mind and to for, actually engage with the support and for staff and volunteers as Absolutely. well. You know, you, yeah. you, you have a strong volunteer force here. Your kitchen, especially, manned by a kind of a, a, a very enthusiastic team of chefs. And, mm-hmm. and so, tell me a little bit about the volunteers and, and um, you know what, what sort of. What part of Canterbury are they from? What do they What do they look like as far as Canterburyans are concerned? Um, I mean, yeah, the volunteers are uh, in in one way the heart of what we do. Um, providing a breakfast and lunch to people, especially this time of year uh, when the temperature is so cold, is what brings a lot of the clients to the centre as a starting point. And then when they're here, 
the staff can support them around the health and benefits and work and yeah. housing. So, without so the, the volunteers, volunteers are key for that. Draw. Indeed, so absolutely. So, so the, the, the hot food and drinks element to it, it's like an anchor. Yeah. It draws people in, it baits people to, yeah. towards yeah. the kind of the, the hook, which is yeah. a strong backup support system, yeah. you know, mental health services, yeah. housing services. Exactly. Uh, addiction yeah. services and you so to people while well, you're here and after you finish your dinner you know we've got a nurse in the medical room today and we've got our mental health workers on site we've got the, the, the substance misuse team who rent an office from us so all this support's all available in one building so whilst yeah. you're here why don't we just go and have an informal chat let's just see what they can offer nice nice I'd love a, t- I'd love a tour so I mean mm. this, you've got a prominent prominent spot here in Canterbury we were talking to, to Tasman about this everyone knows Catching Lives been, I think it's been here for as long as I, I mean, as long as I can remember. So that must mean it's been here at least twenty years ago. Yeah, uh, service all one another, you know, in one form or another for that time. Yeah, it's yeah. been there are a variety of different yeah. foundations and names and guises, but it's been here as a Canterbury kind of uh, institution. So yeah, yeah catching lives, yeah, over ten years. So at this point, I went on a little walk around the centre with the guys, and the thing I, I think that. The, the most interesting thing about Catching Lives is just how relaxed it is. Um, the atmosphere here is really welcoming um, and it just genuinely feels like a place that can help people and that, like, you know, I guess provide a little bit of hope in the darkness. Yeah, it's nice. So, um, where are we now? This is the activities room. And you can come sit out here. Some people come play piano. Some people just come relax. Um, they play table tennis here sometimes. Um, yeah, you just... There's art on the wall. I've seen, seen plenty of art around. Lots of art activities. Yeah, yeah. We just, where we walk through, one of our students at the moment is doing a quiz with some clients. Oh, that's is, uh, I've been interested in this thing too. I have no idea. I'm going to guess... If you don't pay anything, it's definitely wrong, isn't it? It's worth a guess. What's the question again? Which film did Ryan Reynolds play Deadpool? First play Deadpool. Look at me, I'm writing in a different way. Thank you very much for your time talking to me. I appreciate it as well. What? You've got the same movie, but it was. Yeah. I thought it was Deadpool. I thought it was Deadpool. Second question is, Denzel Washington won his first Oscar for Best Actor. For which film was this for? Denzel Washington won his first Oscar for Best Actor. Anyone play the piano? Uh, they're off. There are a number of people. We have some good piano players here, actually. Really? Yeah. There is a, there's one or two people that come in, not maybe not so much as they used to, but there's some people that are very talented piano players, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because never been tempted to learn? Um, I might have. Oh, well, when my, my granddad years ago, when I was younger, he had an organ or whatever, and I used to muck around a little bit. But, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's something I just got out of for whatever reason, you know. Um, even these, not... these, these sort of aims and ambitions it's easy yeah. to the thing to sort of drop drop by the wayside yeah your life takes a turn or whatever or you're just not so much into it you're getting something else or you know whatever but um yeah like i say there are i mean a lot of homeless people i mean they're just like well i think what some people forget is a lot of homeless people are just like anyone else it's talented homeless people just because you're homeless doesn't mean you like for some reason you're 
different in a way if you know doesn't what I mean, mean you're, it doesn't mean you're not intelligent it doesn't yeah. mean that you yeah. are you know that you've 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 been dealt a bad hand in life yeah, yeah, but that doesn't take away from any of your other attributes, does it? Amazing musicians and painters and artists, and yeah. all sorts. Of, yeah, coming in, amazing skills. Yeah. It's it's a bit open in a way being homeless because you experience, um, you meet people from all walks of life. They've got um, lots of things to say about lots of things and knowledgeable. Um, and then, like I say, yeah, you, yeah, from all, all over the world, all sorts of cultures, all whatever. Yeah. You know, you come across all sorts of people when you're homeless. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Surprising. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, sure. I'm sure it makes for, a, you know, an interesting um, interesting life, meeting people that have come from different walks of life, you know, and, and yeah. have been through different experiences, good and bad, and, you know, it all makes up their kind of yeah. rich tapestry and, and all that. Yeah. It teaches you a lot about people. Yeah. Because you meet a lot of people. Yeah. And you have to be a good judge of people. One thing that uh, really struck me about my visit to Catching Lives was hearing about how the effects of the pandemic are still affecting the charity. It may seem um, like it was a while ago now. It may seem like it was only yesterday. But either way, the effects are still being felt very much by the charity and by the clients at Catching Lives. So that's why our Christmas fundraiser is as important as ever. Um, we trying to raise £4,000 for Catching Lives this year through Canterbury Residence Group and Canterbury Community Group. Um, and so please, if you're able to make a donation of any size to that, um, just to help um, the charity keep offering services throughout winter, um, then that'd be great. Um, I hope you enjoy this little insight into Catching Lives, one of the institutions of Canterbury. And... That is the first episode of This Is Canterbury. We're going to be doing more episodes soon, so listen out. Don't forget to hit subscribe and follow. And um, it's great to have you on this journey with us. Thanks again to everyone at Catching Lives for allowing me to come and uh, explore your centre today and talk to you.